Welcome to Trinity Radio. I'm Braxton Hunter, and I am so glad that you are here. I wanted to do just kind of a short, quick response uh, video here. First of all, hope everyone can hear me. Black Tuesday Film says they can hear me. I'm hoping that that is not a typo and you meant that you can hear me. Uh, but I'm so glad that you guys are here. And what I want to do is I want to just say a few words about a video that went up, I think, today from Paulogia, which included Matt Dillahunty. And so uh, they're talking a little bit about people that used to be uh, atheists, or at least claim to used to be atheists. And so um, this is actually uh, maybe a new little short video segment I'm going to try to do. We'll see if it turns out short. You guys know me. But um, if this goes well, I, I think that what I have to say here is not um, something that I would want to make into a short video that's highly produced, like the one on biblical genocide the other day. I also don't think it needs to be an hour-long commentary. And so um, I just want to kind of throw uh, throw this out there, and I may do it on a regular basis, just little things that hit me uh, throughout the week that I can do that. And somebody says, am I sick? Um, uh, not that I know of. I did stay up late last night. Maybe that's what it is. All right, so let's uh, let's let's jump right in here, and we've got three clips that we're going to listen to. Each one is about a minute long, um, so these are uh, lengthy clips to just play and have that be all that's on the screen. So, um, but we're going to listen to what they have to say, and then we're going to break down some of what Dylan Hunty says about people that used to be, or at least claim to used to be, atheists. Let's hear it. But the problem is, is that I run across people who will be like, "Oh, I used to be an atheist." And for a while, this was difficult for me to find a way to address. And now I just ask them, what do you mean by atheist? And why were you an atheist? And what changed your mind? Because if somebody comes to me and says, Matt, I was an atheist for the same reason that you were an atheist. I had previously believed things and found out I had bad reasons for them. And when... I evaluated the arguments and evidence for the existence of God. I found them wanting. I, I found that they weren't sufficient to result in me being convinced that a God existed. And so I identified as an atheist, someone who does not believe a God exists. And then I got evidence. Great. That has never happened. There are people who've come oh. very close to saying that, but the ones who've come the closest when I say, awesome, what was the evidence that changed your mind? We're back to the same, not even, here's a slightly different argument. It's look at the trees. It's look at the diversity of life. Look at how fine-tuned things are. Okay, so um, Matt lays out here what he thinks. I think it's interesting that he notes that for a while I didn't know what to say. I mean, you know, because it is, I guess this is troubling to some atheists that some people reject atheism and become Christians because of the incredible evidence that we have. But now let me say some things about this to try and make this as... Um, as much of a steel man as possible, because if anybody else makes a video about this, I can imagine a lot of people making a simple mistake, which is to think that Matt is saying and that Paul would agree with what a lot of the people in the comments flatly say, which is that some of these people never were atheists or they none of them ever were. They're all lying, which is not what Matt says, not what Paul says. So um, if someone claims to have become a theist or a Christian theist, for reasons other than what Matt is going to outline, then it doesn't mean they never were atheists, but he doesn't actually go he doesn't actually go so far as to say they never were atheists. It's not entirely clear what he's saying about them, except that if their reasons aren't reasons that would convince him, 
then they can be dismissed or it shouldn't bother atheists of his sorts that he considers himself to be that such ex-atheists are out there. Now, of course, in the comments to Paul's video, there are people saying that these Christians claiming to be ex-atheists are lying, but Matt doesn't quite go that far, and I don't think Paul would go that far, and that is a very important thing to say. Um, whatever Matt actually believes, he didn't say in this video that they're lying. Basically, the only thing I think I can say that he's saying, I'm not quite sure what the point he's trying to make um, of any relevance, except to say something like, we can dismiss these people or not be bothered by these people because they weren't the kind of atheists that you and me are out there in the audience, the people that agree with Matt. They weren't the kind of atheists that we are. They, they weren't atheists for the good reasons to be atheists, namely that there aren't good reasons to be uh, theists or Christian theists. So, you know, we, we, can, we can just dismiss them. That's the term I'm going to use, I guess, to dismiss those kind of testimonies or those kinds of people. Um, so that's, what, that's how he starts off. And he begins by saying, uh, when they do become convinced... Uh, when I ask people, I'm looking for them to say there was evidence, and some of them do say there was evidence. Great. That's what I was looking for, the evidence. So what's your evidence? And dadgummit, it's the same arguments that we've heard. Look at the trees. By the way, we have a t-shirt because he and others say this all the time. We have a t-shirt in the Trinity Radio uh, shop on Teespring that said, has my face and says, look at the trees, because I actually think that looking at the trees and looking at biological life and looking at pretty much anything in the physical universe is a great place to start to consider the question of whether there is a creator. Uh, however, He's, he says about all these fine-tuned arguments, fine-tuning arguments and other arguments, that that's all it is, and we've heard all that before, and it's never even a new take on those arguments. Now, first of all, there are great books out there by people like Ed Fazer and people like Josh Rasmussen that do give you slightly different takes on some of these arguments. So I don't know who he's reading or, or whether he's just talking about the most popular level, like Lee Strobel type stuff which is great. It's, it's got its place. It was in, instrumental early on in, in my, uh, you know, voyage into Christian apologetics, but I, I don't know what he's looking at, but, but, but so he's just saying it's more of that same stuff. Well, look, you asked for evidence. You said you would be convinced by evidence, but you say not the sort of evidence that Christian apologists would give you. Well, then what sort of arguments are we talking about? What sort of evidence? And this is the interesting thing that we all know. If you ask Matt, as many, many people have, what would convince you that it was true? He says that he doesn't know what would convince him that it's true, but if God exists, God should know and God should give it to him. Um, but that, of course, is because Matt has a constructed an epistemology that does not allow for certain lines of evidence that most other people would consider to be good reasons, good evidence, good arguments for the truth of a particular position. He's constructed his epistemology such that nothing could convince him. And the best example, and I've said this many, many, many times before, is that he has said that if a person parted an ocean in Jesus' name, that he still wouldn't be convinced. Now, of course, later on in this video, for those of you that have already watched it, and we'll see it in just a few minutes, he does say, you know, um, the fact is that uh, if I had a personal revelation from God, that might convince me, but then he can't resist saying later, I would have to recognize that it still might be a delusion and that perhaps that's what it was. Okay, so, so there's nothing that we know of that would convince him. So when people give him evidence, it's like this happens a lot. Like, you want some evidence? Here's some evidence. Well, that doesn't convince me. Okay, well, here's some more evidence. Well, that's not good enough. Well, here's a whole truckload more evidence that's been around for a long time. An ocean of ink has been spilt on this. Ah, oh, that's still not good enough. So it's like uh, you're asking for evidence, but any evidence that's given to you, uh, you're not happy with. So really, this sounds to me like what Matt is saying here is 
If someone does everything I'm asking and gives you evidence, if it's the kind of evidence that Christian apologists have for centuries given, then we can dismiss such a person's testimony and shouldn't be bothered about those people. All he's really saying here is, I don't think people should be convinced if they're not convinced by things that don't convince me. Well, Matt, we already knew that about you. We already knew that you weren't convinced by this sort of thing. That's not some big shocker. We know that, and of course we know why that is. It's because you have constructed an epistemology such that very little could possibly um, count. We don't even know what could count and should convince you. Um, and as I said in my debate with him, I'll say it again now. If, if you're not that way, if you're an atheist out there who says, no, 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 some of that stuff would convince me. There, there are evidential things like that would convince me. Then nothing Matt says about ex-atheist or used to be atheist or what he thinks should convince anybody should have any hold on you because that is um, an uh, unrealistic level of skepticism, I think. Uh, let's see. Uh, Shannon says, what did she say? He didn't say that, though. He said he would be upset that God didn't provide evidence with the same form of certainty because he knows it's not transmissible. He did say that, Shannon, but he also said, leaving in the possibility that it's just a delusion. Uh, that's the escape hatch. It could always be a delusion. He said that in my debate with him. He said, well, Jesus could appear right here on the stage. And I said, wouldn't you just assume that was some kind of an apparition? And just, you know, and he said, well, yeah, I mean, that would be the first thing I would think. So I mean, uh, if evidence doesn't, if the kind of evidence that someone's giving you wouldn't, or that someone claims to have become a, a theist or a Christian or a deist or whatever, if, if it's the kind of evidence that wouldn't convince Matt, then he doesn't think it should convince you. And that sort of a testimony or person should be dismissed. So um, I think that's, uh, that's interesting, and I think it amounts to saying nothing. That's just chest thumping. That's all that is. And again, I like Matt a lot, and I like Paul a lot, but all this is is chest thumping. I could say the same thing back. You should be convinced by the kind of stuff that convinces me, and if you're not convinced by the kind of stuff that convinces me to be a Christian, well, then you should be dismissed. Would I ever say such a thing? Of course not. And again, he didn't use the word dismissed. I'm just trying to find a word for what possibly he could mean because he never clearly said exactly what he means. He must mean something like, um, I, you know, uh, this thing shouldn't bother you. So, um, all right, let's, uh, let's go on and hear the next clip. It reminds me of, so Anthony Flew was this British atheist who in later years was suffering from mental deficiencies. I don't know what the accurate term is, but it's not all that surprising that someone of advanced years suffering from the normal, and in some cases extraordinary mental deficiencies that come along with age. He accepted arguments in late life that he had written rebuttals to in his early life. And when we're looking at plausible candidate explanation for something, if you spent your prime years as a thinker offering accepted sound rebuttals, highlighting fallacies to a particular argument, and then late in life, you became convinced of the strength of an argument to an incredibly weak point. Flew didn't become a Christian, didn't identify any sort of anthropomorphic personal God. It was I became convinced that things are essentially fine-tuned, that there has to be some explanation beyond nature for this. Is it a better explanation that your mental faculties are in decline and you're just not able to see the problems that you saw before, or that some other bias has crept in, or that you are now the most sound thinker that you've ever been? Well, we don't have to guess because we can stack his the rebuttals that he did in his 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, up against what he said when he was, you know, 80 or whatever, and show that he'd already rebutted himself. And the rebuttal stands. 
Okay, so now the next one is age and perhaps mental capacity or something like that. Um, Anthony Flew is a very controversial, his story is very controversial, obviously, because anytime you have someone who was a champion of atheism uh, at an academic level who then uh, rejects atheism and becomes it's actually some kind of a deism or something. Um, it, if that happens, you're going to get you're going to be really bothered by that. I mean that if, I mean that, that's going to make a lot of waves out there. Um, I don't know personally what was going on in the mind of Anthony Flew. I don't know how sound his reasoning is. I've watched all the videos. I've read all the stuff. I've read the book. Read the book when it came out, and uh, it's all an interesting story. Uh, but if you're going to dismiss someone's testimony about what happened to them, at, and well, we should dismiss this person because of age or because of what might have been going on at that point in their lives, uh, that could open up a lot of really stuff. I don't think you want to be known for saying about people at a certain age. Um, but what, you know, what, what if we do this the other way? Can we do this the other way? We could say, you know, a lot of people become atheists before they're 30 years old, or we could say before 25 years old. And, you know, there's certain parts of the brain that don't even finish forming until you're about 25 years old. And so, uh, this is also a time when a person is wanting to kind of have their own identity and kind of deconstruct what was going on, uh, what they, what they were raised with, what their parents taught them to believe and kind of find their own beliefs and find things like that. And, you know, there are also a lot of, this is a point in your life where there's a lot of temptation. And so uh, there might be some motivation there to not want some, uh, you know, deity looking over your shoulder and, and this morality thing. Maybe it's not what we thought. And so maybe we can just dismiss everyone who becomes an atheist under the age of, oh, let's say 30. But I don't do that. And you would think I was kind of a jerk for doing that, right? Okay, well, when someone has a lifetime of study in this and they're old and now you think that it, 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 it counts to just dismiss what they're saying because they're old or you liked the, the way they argued earlier before they were uh, had an ex-atheist better than you like what they're saying now, now that they're an ex-atheist. Uh, you know, that again, that just strikes me as chest thumping and, and we don't have to use Anthony flew. There are other examples of this in the academic community. So it, Anthony flew, I think comes to Dillahunty's mind most easily because he is, he has a, a, a well-known controversial story, but come on, there's a lot of people like this. And just because you say, well, I, I think they rebutted themselves because I liked the way they argued before they were an ex-atheist more than I like the way they're arguing now that they're an ex-atheist. It just amounts to chest thumping again. And I can see why it might be helpful to some people who really want to have a reason why they can dismiss things like this. Dismiss someone because they're using these arguments that, that don't convince us. Dismiss someone because of their age. I sure am glad that I don't do that with people. I, that, that just seems like a really troublesome way to go about this. And of course, the real important thing is the actual evidence itself. I mean, I've heard uh, people like this say they've debunked the fine tuning argument or debunked the um, cosmolo Kalam cosmological argument or debunked. I've never seen these de debunkings. Um, and most of the time, the debunking, the people that claim this hardcore debunking are not the academic level people who are dealing with this stuff. It's people making YouTube videos um, and, and I, I just, I just haven't seen it. All right, let's, uh, let's go on to the next thing. And then we're going to say something I think really interesting toward the end. Let's, let's go on to the next point, which I actually agree with Matt on shocker. There is a level of of, of agreement here. It's like if in a year from now, I say God has revealed himself directly to me and I am now a believer. The next words that come out of my mouth must be, I fully understand that this revelation is first person and will serve as no justification for any of you. And it frustrates me to no end that a God would reveal himself to me 
and not to the rest of you, because now I'm on a completely separate level of epistemic warrant for this. And I cannot rule out the fact that this was a delusion, although it doesn't feel that way to me. And nobody should believe based on my change of mind until there is sufficient evidence in their life and hopefully in a universal life. So first of all, there you heard it. Uh, Matt did say even here where he's giving you an example of something that I think that he thinks, let's imagine I was convinced because of some kind of a personal revelation. He still says, I can't avoid the fact that it was a delusion, which let's be charitable. I think what he meant by that was the possibility that it was a delusion, but it didn't feel that way to him. So even when he's when he's giving you this one, he has to give himself a way out. Um, so the the reality of this is I actually agree with Matt. I, I have said it. And frankly, I'm not sure I've ever heard a Christian apologist not give this caveat that when they talk about their own personal internal experience to say something like, and I realize, in fact, I just heard it. Uh, T jump was talking with some guy I didn't, I'd never heard of before uh, just last week or something. And the guy said, now I admit this is my personal experience. I can't say that this should convince anybody else because it's personal to me. I've said that every time I've ever talked about my personal experiences like that. So um, there is actually a pretty, there are pretty good arguments from, from religious experience talking about the number of people like that. Um, but the fact is, yeah, I can, I can agree with Matt on this, that just because he may have, or I may have an internal experience that is extremely convincing to us, that shouldn't necessarily count in favor of someone else convinced, uh, being convinced. Now, enough testimony goes around, enough testimony mounts up, or in a, you know, in a case where I'm claiming something and it seems like there is really strong evidence that I saw a historical event, uh, something like when we're talking about the resurrection, that's different. We're not saying throw out eyewitness testimony, but when we're talking about someone claiming to have had a personal experience of the Holy Spirit or of God, that no one else has access to that in any way um, to, to, to confirm it at all. Yeah, I can I can say that. That's ex That's a confirmatory to me, but I don't necessarily think it counts that way to anybody else. But now let's, let's actually take what Matt has said in the last few moments. Um, and I am going to have a relatively short video. It's been 20 minutes now, already longer than what I expected, but let's go ahead and, uh, let's, let's do something else here. Let's say, what if a flat earther approached things the way that Matt is approaching this? Now, I'm going to play the part of a flat earther here for just a moment. So I don't want anyone to be confused because there are a lot of people that believe a lot of things on the Internet. And so I don't want you to think that I'm a flat earther. I'm not a flat earther. Um, but let's just play that game for just a minute. All right. So what if a flat earther said what Matt has just said? Wait a minute. You're telling me that you became a, a, a believer in the spherical earth uh, because of the quote-unquote evidence that spherical earth apologists are always toting around. That's why you came to believe in the spherical earth. Oh, well, we can dismiss you. Aren't you aware of all the responses that flat earthers like me have given to those ridiculous arguments uh, that, that, have, that are just the result of, of digital video manipulation and all of those kinds of things? I mean, that's just ridiculous. Surely we can dismiss those people. Or age. This one's pretty easy. Wait, you became a believer in the spherical earth 
at an older age when people typically experience dementia. And perhaps we even have some evidence that you might be having problems. Uh, you're not thinking as quickly and sharply on your feet. Well, of course, you're going to come to believe this nonsense about a spherical earth. We can dismiss you or you had a personal experience. Let's say that 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 if I ever came to believe this way, I could say something like, well, maybe if I was an astronaut and I had the personal experience of going up into space and looking back and seeing the spherical Earth, that doesn't mean that anybody else should be convinced just because I say I've been to space and seen the spherical Earth. I mean, would that would any of that be <laughs> convincing to you? No, of course not. Um, so, you know, I, I just think uh, what this would amount to if it was a flat earther is a lot of chest thumping, right? And what it amounts to here is a lot of chest thumping. So there's a couple of interesting things as we wrap up here. When Matt says um, that when people say that they were the same kind of atheist he is, fine, you can limit it that way. But the reality is you're trying to convey something about used to be atheists, ex-atheists. You're not going so far as to say they're lying you are going to far so far as to say they're not the sort of atheist that you are in some way or other. Um, but you never finish that sentence, so to speak. You never finish that syllogism if there was one. You never tell us what it is exactly that you're trying to say about those people. The only thing I can say about it is you're trying to say they can be dismissed and in three categories. They can be dismissed if they're relying on the theistic arguments that have been put forth by some of the most bright philosophical minds in the history of philosophical thought. Um, you, those kind of thinking, that stuff can be dismissed. Uh, it can be dismissed if you were of a certain age and perhaps giving some evidence that you aren't as quick on your feet as you used to be. And it can be dismissed if it was because of your personal experience. But interestingly, Interestingly, I think all this amounts to is chest thumping. And so I hope that that's uh, helpful to you. And with that, I'll kind of um, end things off. Um, I know there was some question here. I think I saw where Pine Creek asked me something like, um, does it bother me when people are dismissive of people like me? Well, we're specifically talking about people that are dismissive of used to be atheists who have become Christians. So, um, but, uh, do I, does it bother me when people are dismissive of the Christian message as I present it? Sure it does, but not because of me. It bothers me. I mean, I've actually got a, for a guy like me, a pretty substantial, small YouTube audience. I'm pretty thrilled about that. Um, it bothers me because I believe that all this stuff is true. And I don't want people to reject Christianity for bad reasons because I think it's bad for them because I love people. And this channel exists because specifically I love atheists. Um, Matt, uh, also, Pine Creek says, well, you're the Matt Dillahunty of the Christian community because um, you could just believe you'll just believe anything because of the Holy Spirit. Uh, no, actually, if I, if I didn't have some confirmatory evidence, if, if all I had was the conviction of, of the Holy Spirit and someone could convince me that I'm delusional or something, well, then that would be something to talk about. I wouldn't be as sure as I am. But yes, it's true. That is one really serious piece of evidence that someone would have to debunk out of my life, even if I had no other um, arguments. But someone presumably could do that. So um, interesting questions. I, I know there were some other ones here. I'm not seeing the tags for Trinity Radio. Let's see. Uh, yeah, it's just more Pine Creek stuff. Let's see. Anybody else? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, listen, I want to get done with this pretty quick. So 
I've enjoyed this time we've had together. Thank you all for showing up. Really good crowd for this time of the day. And I hope this has been helpful to you. And I'd love to hear what you have to say in the comments, especially, are you an, a used-to-be atheist? I'll do apology. To, are you a used-to-be atheist? If you're a used-to-be atheist, what convinced you? I hear from people all the time that they were convinced because of the evidence. Of course, we believe the Holy Spirit plays a role as well. But I'd love to hear from you there. And with that, I'll see you next time on Trinity Radio.